Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are joined by Buccaneers.com's Carmen Vitale to discuss the wacky offseason that was. But first, Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians had some strong words about his offense following Sunday's practice. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Lockdown Bucks podcast brought to you by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story is Bruce Arians met with the media via Zoom teleconferences following Sunday's practice, and he was less than enthused by the performance of the Buccaneers offense. Arians told the media, quote, the defense made the plays all day. I don't know if the offense made any. They might have been reading their press clippings that they're so good because they didn't show up today. Now, David, this kind of throws a little bit of a uh uh-oh out into the world of Buccaneers fandom that, you know, is this Buccaneers offense starting to buy into their own hype and believe that they are kind of the greatest offense ever assembled with guys like Brady and Gronk and, and Shady joining the likes of Evans, Godwin, OJ, Brait, Ronald Jones, you know, is is a little bit of complacency already creeping in before they've even taken the field. I personally think a Tom Brady-led football team isn't going to go down that slippery slope, but what are, what are your thoughts on the offense just coming out and uh, really getting shredded by their head coach? Look, if uh... – if, if I have a fantasy football roster, which I do have one, I have another draft coming up. We've got a, a locked on network dynasty fantasy draft coming up, which I've never played dynasty fantasy football. So this will be a new experience for me. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to draft all the old vets as soon as I can, because I think that's the best route to go in a dynasty league. Anyway, if I have Buccaneers offensive players on my fantasy roster, I'm trading them right now. Of course, I'm kidding because it's one practice. It's one day and it's one time. Um, listen, everybody has a bad day, man. Everybody has a bad day at work. And sometimes, you know, and any, any type of organizational structure, I've had this conversation with a lot of people before someone's got to bring the juice, right? Every time you come to work, someone's got to bring the juice, but it all, it can't always be the exact same person that you can have kind of that same person that does it for the most part, you know, like Tom Brady, you'd probably look at him and say, Hey, for the most part, Tom Brady, especially being the quarterback, but also being the goat should be the one coming to work every day, energized, motivated ready to kick butt and show everybody how to make it to the top of the hill. But you know what, man? Sometimes Tom Brady's going to wake up after a long night of not sleeping very well. Tom Brady's going to wake up with some aches and pains that he just doesn't want to practice again or uh, practice with. He's going to wake up and the weather's going to be crappy and he doesn't want to do it. He just wants to go, I don't know, uh, just just plucking an example out of air, curl up on a couch and watch some Harry Potter. You know what I mean? I don't know if people do that. Uh, and on, on those occasions, Mike Evans needs to step in. Ryan Jensen needs to step it up. Ellie Marpet, Chris Godwin, whoever, someone's got to step it up. Today, it sounds like every single person in the offense – came to work tired, came to work wanting some Starbucks instead of some work, and nobody had the fire to pick up the unit 
and it happens. Um, if it happens again, you know what I mean? Or if it continues, then obviously there's reason to be concerned. But I don't think with Bruce Arians at the helm, and I don't think with these veterans and with these guys and the focus they have on, on the task at hand and the goal that they have, I don't think they're going to let it happen continuously. I don't think they're going to let it happen again. Um, I think it's good that Coach Arians is a guy that will out his own unit and out his offense for a lack of performance or effort or you know t- uh, technical efficiency. And I like it, and I think it'll be effective. I think these guys will show up uh, for the next practice ready to go, and I think they're they're going to – Look forward to the opportunity to making Coach Arians come in, come out and say that it was a much improved performance. What they expect, um, but you know, if they expect too many compliments, they're not going to get it from Coach Arians. But I think they're looking forward to having the opportunity to have Coach Arians go out there, get asked about whether or not the offense is still kind of sitting on their reputation, and having them having him tell everybody that no, they're not. They're out there working just like they have been the entire uh, rest of the offseason. Yeah, I I agree completely. I think this is kind of an outlier. Like you said, everybody kind of has their down days. Me personally, I'm glad that the uh, the off day for the offense came on a Sunday morning practice rather than week one in New Orleans. And like I said earlier, I don't think a team led by Tom Brady, a guy who has been to nine Super Bowls, he's won six of them. He's going to let any kind of complacency or, uh, you know, let these guys buy into their own hype too much. He knows what it takes to win in this league. He knows what it takes to hoist the Lombardi trophy. And he's, um, you know, he's, he's not going to let these guys think that they are the greatest thing to ever be assembled because they have to go out and they have to win every single Sunday. So with that, David, we are getting ready to be joined by the one and only Carmen Vitale from Buccaneers.com, one of our absolute favorite people, uh, a one of our favorite guests of the show. But first, a little word from one of our friends, rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Just choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why do you need to spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Very simple answer, you don't. Just go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. All right, guys, kicking off the week here at the Locked on Bucks podcast. As promised, kicking off our catch-up week, we've got a long lineup of some of our favorite guests from our favorite sources for all of you guys to listen to this week. And we're starting off, of course, with the great Carmen Vitale of Buccaneers.com. Carmen, uh, we brought you on because we can't call it our catch-up week. Steal your Carmen catches up theme from over there at Bucks.com without letting you kick off the uh, festivities. So it's been a while since we've talked to you on the show anyway. How have you been? And and let our listeners know how you've enjoyed the offseason so far. Yeah, I think this offseason was a more eventful one than we had ever 
anticipated and that's counting a global pandemic. So uh, yeah, I'm doing great. It's, it has been a while and I'm happy to talk to you guys again and appreciate your um, including me in Carmen in the catches up series, because like you said, I've got Carmen catches up and now I think I have to charge a world. <laughs> We will, you know what, we will hook you up with a free box of Built Bars, our favorite sponsor of the show right now. So we'll hook you up with a free box of Built Bars. We can handle that offline with our assistant, our intern. (laughs) We'll uh, we'll get your address offline. We'll get those sent out to you. Um, But to kick off the conversation, speaking of, you know, just the crazy year, the crazy offseason eventful, right? I wanted to know what is your biggest surprise move or lack of move? So think back to the beginning of the offseason. Think back to January 2020 and kind of how when you looked at the landscape of Buccaneers football, kind of how, you know, you've been around the game for a while. You've been in sports for a while. So you kind of know what to expect. What biggest what was the biggest surprise from this offseason, whether it come in the form of, of an addition, you know, changing the quarterback, uh, changing the running back position, really, too. Peyton Barber no longer with the team, draft picks, uh, drafting offensive linemen, or maybe you were expecting a move, adding a veteran to the secondary that didn't happen. So from what you expected entering the 2020 offseason to what actually happened, which moment was the biggest surprise for you? That's really tough because there was a lot of surprises in this. <laughs> um, I don't even think I can remember back as far as January because that just seems like it was three, three or maybe 15 years ago. I'm not sure. Um, I think that, let's see, draft week was the was home to the biggest surprises in my eyes because we're gearing up for the draft and it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, you, you know, on our, in our, on our, like in our world, we're preparing for it, you know, in certain ways and whatever. And then we get a bomb dropped on us that Rob Gronkowski has now come out of, not only come out of retirement, but has signed with the Buccaneers, like the day before the draft starts. <laughs> and I was just like, really? During draft week? Um, I think if it wasn't Gronk, it was going to be the fact that the Bucks took a safety in the second round of the draft and thank heavens for that because Antoine Winfield is shaping up to be exactly what you, every, everything you would ever want him to be. Um, but I have to go with Gronk just because of the sheer like improbability. And it was like, we, we had no heads up on that. Like I was texting some of our coaches, like, as soon as like, I kind of heard the rumors and I was like, is this real? And before I could even get an answer, I had Schefter breaking it on Twitter being like, Rob Gronkowski signed with the Buccaneers. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And it it came as such a shock too, not only because the man had to come out of retirement, but because we have, we had a really good tight end room anyway. Like tight end was not on anyone's radar for the Bucks to pick up. Like there was no thought about, I didn't pay attention to tight ends in pre-draft process of like going to the Shine Bowl and the Senior Bowl and the Combine. Like I just kind of like checked out when it came to tight ends because I was like, we're set. Um, and so then to grab the greatest, one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game, lure him out of retirement is, uh, can only be talked up to the Brady effect. So um, yeah, that had to have been the biggest shock for sure. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm a little surprised you picked that over Tom Brady, but maybe you saw the the Brady thing coming a little bit more. And and yeah, that all the Gronk stuff was such a whirlwind because, of course, as soon as Brady signs, everyone's like, "Oh, the the Bucks are going to go out and get Gronk. When are the Bucks going to get Gronk? They should go." And it's like, why? What? Right. You have OJ Howard, you have Cameron Bray. And then, like you said, it happens on draft week. So then, of course, all the speculation is, is OJ Howard going to get traded now to get a draft pick back for the Bucks because they don't need him because here comes Gronk. Just completely, completely wild situation. So, yeah, I am. Um, 
I like that answer. But moving moving over to uh, to the next question, you take a look at at the way this 2020 team is structured, and you look at 2019, and that was a good team. That was a talented team. Just had some breaks that did not go their way. Had some self inflicted issues. But what is the area, in your opinion, that the team needs to make the biggest improvement, excluding the turnovers, from the 2019 team to the 2020 team to see them have the kind of success that we're all kind of expecting them to at this point? I think that, I mean, granted, you can't say the turnovers. I get it. Um, But once you remove the turnovers – I don't think that there's a drastic need for like, there's not a drastic improvement in one aspect of the game that really sticks out to me um, more than, I think there's a lot of little things that you could want, but I don't want to misconstrue this as like, we really need to improve in this aspect. But I think that where you're looking for maybe a bigger jump is in the pass rush. And we saw that kind of towards the end of last season uh, the Bucks had the most sacks of any team in the back, like nine games, I want to say. They had 31 sacks. And that needs to kind of carry over. And in order to do that, I actually think that you're, you want to look more at the inside linebackers um, and what they can do. Because at this point, you're going to see teams try to game plan for Shaq and JPP at this point. JPP is healthy coming into this season. Um, he's an unknown game wrecker. Now, Shaq, the secret's out on Shaq, you know, so you can't rely necessarily on those bookends to be the ones to generate all the pass rush. You're going to need some from the interior of the defensive line, so that means Sue and Vita, and Vita talked already um, about how he's improved his pass rush, and he, that's something, that was an area of focus for him this offseason, but I also think that you're going to see uh, some of these inside linebackers get more of a role in the pass rush. And I know that Levante has talked about being excited about that. Devin White is obviously super excited about that. I think he's built for going after quarterbacks uh, in more ways than one. And then he can serenade them afterwards with his trail ride song. So I think that it's going to be the pass rush that you're you're going to want to see more of an improve, but it's not like it was that bad to begin with. I really think that once you take the turnovers away, you're going to really realize how good this team is and has been. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been on record, you know, in our opinion, this was a playoff caliber team in 2019, just didn't make the playoffs uh, for for obvious reasons. And just a little bit of a side note. So my wife and I are currently house shopping. We actually went to a house uh, today that sits on some property and they have horses. And I I, I would be completely lying if I didn't say that as soon as I saw those horses, I didn't start singing Old Town Road and thinking of Devin White back on on draft night and, and everything since then so just i don't know just a little bit of a weird insight in the way my brain works i suppose um he has his own song now you know that right that's he what I does was yes that's what i, I was know. gonna say why weren't you singing Devin's song yeah you I, don't, I don't know it Devin. enough to sing it i, I can't i can't sing that I can't, it's not his, it's not a ringtone in my brain just yet it's not engraved his, enough. his teammates know it if you walk if you watch camp cam um well a little bit ago it was him it was Devin white and sean murphy bunting and murphy bunting was like the Migos to <laughs> Devin White, where he's just like ad libbing with, right. and he knew the whole song, and he started he like he came in at the right times, and it was like it was. They need to do like an SMB remix to Devin's song oh, nice. after hearing that. So they just so. need the whole locker room to do it together. That would be. <laughs> That's the content I'm here for. Have a conversation with Jill for us and, and make that happen. <laughs> well, they just they have so much fun, these guys, together. They really do. It's really cool to see. 
Hey, I mean, the Bears had the Super Bowl shuffle back in the 80s. So, I mean, the Bucks hey. can come up with, I don't know, I don't, I'm not quick enough to think of a clever name for it, but whatever song remix version they can come up with for this coming January, February timeframe, I'm sure the Bucks fans would love to, to watch, to watch it and ingrain it in their memories as well. Um, great answer to that question, Carl. I, I don't really know where I expected you to go with that answer, but I really like uh, the way the answer to that question and, and the definitely an interesting response. And then moving on from that. So that's kind of the, the biggest area that we're looking at for this team from 2019 and 2020. Right. But then looking to the beginning part of the season with the truncated off season training camp, no preseason games, kind of get that runway going, get the juices flowing outside of, you know, uh, buck on buck violence. Um, what do you think is the most critical position group for this team? And it may be the same answer, but hopefully for different reasons to having a successful first quarter of the season, you know, with, without having, you know, everybody talks about, well, give them some time to get acclimated to each other against live competition. But what position group has to show up week one in New Orleans, ready to fire on all cylinders and continue to do so through week four until the rest of the team can catch up? Well, I think that you want maybe the offense to be that one that's firing on all cylinders. I just don't know if that's the most realistic expectation Tom Brady or not this is you know this is his, it's a new quarterback and and this is his first time like learning a system granted watching him out there you would never know he commands this offense like we saw it in the Friday scrimmage but you've been seeing it in practice too he does not look like this is the first time in this offense it's absolutely wild but I think that to kind of further give your offense a little bit of cushion I want to see, you know, you have the continuity on the defensive side. This is their second year in the system. And you had the momentum ending last season. And momentum doesn't necessarily carry over to the next season. But I think because of the continuity, you want to be able to lean on your defense. And I think in order to lean on the defense, you need that secondary to step up. And I, from what, especially today, uh, Sunday morning, it was today for the I guess we're, this is coming out tomorrow, so it would have been yesterday. But Sunday morning's practice, the defense just had their way with the offense. And even Bruce uh, said it in his press conference afterwards that he didn't think that – he said the offense must be reading their press, press clippings and decided not to show up um, this morning. So some pretty harsh words because the, the defense was just – and it was especially the secondary. Uh, Jordan Whitehead was flying everywhere. Jamel Dean had two picks, one off Gabbert, one off Brady. And you kind of see these guys gaining their confidence. And if you have a defense that is just solid, you know, on all three levels, then you don't need your offense to put up a ton of points. We talked about how the turnovers are going to decrease, right? So now what's left is like is scoring and this offense is built to score. But I think as they're getting used to each other, you don't want to put the pressure on them to have to do that. And in order to do that, the defense, if the defense can hold, you know, the, the opponent, to a lower score, then, hey, you don't actually have to score that many points, and it takes the pressure <laughs> off everyone. So I really think that it's the defense actually needs to start fast in order just to give this offense time to really click, especially in the absence of all the preseason games. All right. Well, Carmen, are we ready to attack the rapid-fire segment Ooh. of this conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's hit me with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what we're going to do, Carmen, is we have three rapid fire questions, but one of them is kind of a three parter. So almost five questions in total. We're going to ask these questions to you as well as every guest that we have this week to get everybody's view on kind of the same thing. So <clears throat> you don't have to give long answers, just the first name or answer that pops into your head. 
that's what we're going to go with. So with that, okay. let's, let's go ahead and start off with who will be the 2020 hidden hero of the Buccaneers. Everybody's talking about Brady, Godwin, Evans, Gronk, Shaq, Levante, every, you know, all these players are starting to get all this publicity. Who is the hidden hero of the 2020 Buccaneers? Oh, uh, Devin White. Devin White. Okay. I'll accept it. Now it's time for our three-parter. Which okay. tight end will lead the team in snaps? OJ Howard. Which tight end leads the team in receptions? Mm, OJ Howard. And which tight end leads the team in touchdowns? <sighs> Gronk. But it could be Cam. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got you to gotta pick one. Uh, Cam is so good in the red zone. Literally Gronk. picking all three for the final answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, okay, Gronk. 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 Okay. And finally, Carmen, what will the Buccaneers 2020 win loss record be? I keep going back to 11 and 5. 11 and 5. All right. I like it. And I'm pretty sure, I can't be 100% certain, but I know we're doing a collective. Uh, win loss prediction over at bucksnation.com. And I'm pretty sure 11 and five is my prediction as well. So obviously if that is the case, I agree with you. Yeah. Somebody made me do a win loss prediction the day the schedule came out and yeah, I ended up, what did I, what effective. did I give them? To, was it 12 and four or 13 and three? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, according to me, the bucks are going to win like 10 games in a row. Well, you had more like the schedule came out much later. So like you had way more context leading into the schedule this year than you would have if it was out like when it normally is, which is usually in April. That's a fair point. It would have came out like second week in April. And by that point we wouldn't have had Gronk and you wouldn't have known the result of the draft. Yeah. Shout out to Carmen Vitale for supporting my show ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Or supporting my wackadoodle (laughs) win loss prediction. (laughs) Hey, optimism. We deserve some optimism right now. We deserve some positivity. True statement. Carmen, last question I have for you before we wrap this thing up. Um, You talked about Devin White being the unsung hero, and I love that. I love that idea as well. I'm really excited to see what young Devin is going to do in year two, hopefully with a full season of health. Um, He's young. Uh, He is is really young. Everything like he's a rapper now. I just like like, we call him Lil Devin, Young D White. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You talked about him earlier in this episode about the pass rush thing and about getting the inside linebackers a little bit more involved in there. Everybody's excited for that. Not the first time, of course, that we've heard it, but the first time we've really talked about on this show. Are we going to see Devin White coming off the edge in 2020? I think it's entirely possible. Um, I mean, honestly. I don't know if you guys are going to believe me when I say this, but I think that last year was actually pretty vanilla for this defense. I think it was all about, you know, if you look back at Bruce's first stint or Bruce's stint in Arizona, when he first got there and Todd Bowles you know, he was the defensive coordinator in 2013, the Arizona Cardinals defense between 2013 and 2014 is drastically different like you can tell that in 2013 it's all about getting you know the basics the concepts the fundamentals everything like that now that you have that foundation you can build on it so i think we're going to see a lot more creativity this year out of the defense and if that means Devin White coming off the edge i don't know um does it mean you know safety coming off the edge does it mean a quarterback like you know you just never know um I, i know that for part of this season or this preseason rather 
uh, because <laughs> due to the tier systems, I'm actually not allowed indoors into the, um, the indoor facility because of the tier designation I have. So when we go into the indoor facility, I have to just watch the practice film. And watching the practice film, though, gives me a really good kind of, you know, obviously really good angles and stuff like that. And as I'm watching, you know, it gives you two different angles to every play. So the first angle is like the wide shot. So I know exactly who ends up coming, like if they're in a blitz period. And then it switches to the end zone view. So you have an up-close view of the line and the front seven. And even though I know who's coming, I still lose track of them. And I don't know where they actually come from, even though I'm looking for them. So watching film, if it's not, I can't imagine in real time how that works out. So the very long-winded answer to this is, yeah, you could totally see Devin. I don't know. Like, <laughs> this whole, like you're going to see a lot more creativity out of this defense, I think, this year. Oh, I love to hear that. All right. Well, Carmen, thank you so much for kicking off our catch-up week. Where can all of our listeners, if they don't know already, and they should, and if they don't, then they need a little bit of a wake-up call, help provide that to them. Where can everyone catch up with you and what you're doing? Well, you can read my column on Buccaneers.com. That's Carmen Catches Up, and it comes out every day, Monday through Friday. But most of my stuff comes on social media and you can follow me at Carmi B. That's C-A-R-M-I-E-B. All right. Well, Carmen, thank you again so much. We always love having you on the show. Appreciate you guys. Good to hear from you. Good to talk to you. This was fun. Wrapping things up here on a Monday edition of the Locked on Bucks podcast. And a big thank you once again to Carmen Vitale of Buccaneers.com. Follow her on Twitter at CarmiV. Uh, follow her on Instagram. Don't forget to go follow on the Instagram. And uh, make sure you're checking out the Carmen Catches Up piece that she does over at Buccaneers.com. But, David, we're going to wrap things up here with a voicemail from one of our loyal listeners. James and David. Yes, it's your buddy Jim in South Carolina, always known as South Kakalaki. Listen, when I picked up the phone tonight to call you guys, uh, my intention was just to talk about, hey, I know the Bucks just had their scrimmage on Friday. Bruce Arians is talking about, nah, the kicking situation not going so well. Shocker, right, to all Bucks fans. So we're either slamming our head against the wall when we hear this or we're going to the fridge and start pounding beers. But that's the Bucks' life, right? So when I originally was going to pick up the phone to call, before I did, I got an email, and it's from one of the Bucks-centered you know, websites. There's all the, all the ones, including BucksNation.com, which I always go to every day. Always read your guys' articles. Thank you. Um, and I see that the Bucks have, uh, are bringing in another kicker. Well, before I was going to call, like I said, I was going to say, hey, look, I just saw Stephen Hauschka got released by the Bills. Why not bring him in? Because it wasn't a, a matter of him being terrible as a kicker. It was a cost-cutting move. So I thought, well, hell, bring in Hauschka. And if Hauschka didn't want to come in, then let's go check with Stephen Goskowski. He used to kick for the Patriots when Tom was there. Let's see if he's recovered from his injury and if he wants to compete for a job. But no, what'd they do? They brought in a guy who literally has the word suck in his last name. Ryan Suckup, formerly of the Tennessee Titans. Now his stats from 2018 look good, and he didn't kick much last year because he got hurt. I'm thinking, seriously? 
This is the best we can do. If we're really all in, we're just going to, well, yeah, we'll bring in Ryan Suckup, and we'll just say how he does. And if he doesn't do better than Matt Gay or Elliot Fry, well, we'll just stick with those two. No, man. If we're really all in, like I said, you've got to go, okay, fine, bring in Suckup. Suckup does great. Cool. No problem. All right? But if Hauschka's out there and we don't bring him in, and if Goskowski says, I am fully ready and healthy and ready to go and I want to compete and I want to play with my buddy Tom again, and we don't bring him in, then we're not all in. I'm sorry, we're not all in. We explained to the kicker and their agent, look, you can only, you can only sign for the, the veteran minimum. That's because we don't have a whole lot of money to spend. So if that's cool with you, yeah, come on in. Let's try you out and let's see how you do. Anyway, I wanted to throw that at you guys and let you discuss it. And um, just hope you guys are doing well and safe and all that good stuff. And uh, as always, hey, man, go Bucks. All right, Jim, appreciate the phone call. If your head hasn't already exploded, because by the time you will hear this, you will already know that the Tennessee Titans are hosting workouts for, wait for it, Stephen Hauschka and Stephen Goskowski. Yeah, I'm sure Jim saw that and uh, was not pleased to see. Look, I, I don't mind Ryan Suckup. He's a pretty good kicker. I mean, the last six years with Tennessee – uh, you know, he had a he had a bad year last year, but he was he was injured. He went um, what like he only kicked like sixteen point seven percent for his field goal percentage. But his last six years overall in in Tennessee, eighty three point six percent field goal percentage, ninety four point seven percent on extra points. Like I don't hate those numbers. Um, I didn't look up anything for, for Cody Parkey because I would say he has the worst chance of making the team. He's not really a great kicker, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're bringing in guys to compete with Matt Gay and Elliot Fry, Hauschka and Goskowski would have been much higher on my list than Parkey and Suckup. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking at Ryan Suckup, just kind of a general overview, you know, since, since the Buccaneers, I just happen to know some of this information because I just happen to write a special teams focused uh, column there for, for Bucks nation over the weekend. You know, the the Buccaneers have had maybe a handful, I think of kickers kick 80% or more of their field goals or make 80% or more of their field goals since, since moving away from Matt Bryant and Ryan Suckup alone has, you know, like seven or eight seasons of doing the same. Now, granted, you know, the number, the sample size I used was 25 attempts minimum and Suckup didn't have 25 attempts in every single one of those seasons, but still anytime you can get an 80% plus kicker on your team, it's a good idea. And, you know, and yeah, James, I mean, 16.7% in 2019, he went one for six. Uh, but you're kind of hoping that's the outlier, not, you know, the new norm. Cause I mean, outside of that season, 76.9% was his lowest made attempts uh, rate. And that was in 2010 when he was a 24-year-old kicker there uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, we don't know, you know, who Jason Light did and didn't talk to. We don't know why they did and didn't talk to certain people. We don't know, you know, the status of – because not for nothing, but Steven Guskowski, I mean, the last thing I saw was that they're bringing him in uh, potentially for a tryout. But, I mean, again, he had that injury, and, they, you know, I'm sure they're going to have their medics, their doctors look at him before uh, they actually let him get out there on the field and kick anything. So we don't even know – for certain that Goskowski is actually going to get out there and kick for the Titans or for anybody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with wanting one, your guy that you have confidence in. So, I mean, I, I'm glad that Jim is as, as impassioned as he is about any of these kickers. Cause a lot of people 
I'll just kind of sit back and just yell for the Buccaneers to fix the kicking position, but they don't actually put any thought behind who it might be or what the solution might be. So kudos to you, Jim, for putting some thought behind it and, and having some people that you uh, have a reason to believe in. So we'll see. I'm still hopeful, you know, call it whatever you want, but I'm still hopeful that Matt Gay pulls it off because I just, I think the kid's got, you know, a, a cannon for a leg. I don't know if that's the right term, the right way to describe a leg, but I'm just going to use it. He's got a cannon for a leg. So if he could get the accuracy, uh, you know, narrowed down in there and get the sight picture, uh, and, and within the goalposts there on a consistent basis, then he'd be a real big threat uh, in the National Football League. So I'm really pulling for, for Matt Gabe. At the end of the day, the Buccaneers are at least going out there. I mean, they've got four kickers in town. So they're at least going out there and, and casting as wide a net as they can to try to find the best guy for the job. And whether it works or not, man, at least, you know, Bucks fans, at least you can look back and see your franchise and just sitting there saying, ah, we'll roll with who we got. No, they're going out there trying to find anybody and everybody except for – you Guskowski and some others that uh, could come in. I mean, hey, listen, maybe Guskowski had already agreed to come visit the Titans. You know what I mean? Like, I, again, there, there's just a lot of things. You know, we kind of go through this. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe got traded, you know, to the Minnesota Vikings today uh, for peanuts, really, if you, if you really think about it. And, you know, there are people out there saying, why couldn't the Bucks make that trade? Well, you know, maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't want to send Yannick Ngakwe to the Buccaneers. Maybe the Jaguars, like, we'll send you to Minnesota where we don't think they have as much of a chance of winning Super Bowl as maybe Tampa does. I mean, you don't know why these people – why did Bill O'Brien take, you know, peanuts for DeAndre Hopkins? Well, part of it is he wanted to get him out of the AFC, so he's not going to send him to the Bills or the Patriots, right? So there, there are multiple motivations for why people do what they do. So until Jason Light comes out and says, no, we never called Gaskowski, no, we never called about Yannick, no, we never called. I'm not going to assume they didn't, but I, I understand the frustrations too when you see a guy that you perceive being better going somewhere else for lesser money or lesser draft capital or for a lesser opportunity. I get it. I appreciate it greatly. I just, I'm not going to quite condemn the franchise without knowing what they did or didn't do. And who knows, maybe uh, maybe Jason and Bruce asked Tom about Guskowski, and he was like, nah, look, that dude's leg is literally hanging on by a thread and could fall off at any moment in time. You should probably look elsewhere. You know, not saying it did happen. I'm not saying Tom Brady has, like, a huge influence over the roster, but if you're looking at a guy that one of your new players played with for a long time, you may ask a few questions about what they're like, what they think, you know, things like that. So with that, David... We are up against the clock, so we are out of here. Please be like Jim and give us a call at 813-444-5841. Check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Make sure you're cheering on the Lightning tonight as they look to knock the Bruins out of the playoffs They fell down one game to none. All of a sudden, they're up three games to one. Could end it tonight. Let's do this thing. I should have brought my goal horn down here. That's what I was waiting on, actually. Yeah. I I took it with me to my fantasy draft for when people got distracted and were taking too long to make picks. Yeah, it's very, very loud. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe. Stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to each other. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Lockdown Bucks.